Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's open to Psalm 133 tonight. Psalm 133. Uh, Next, this coming Sunday, don't forget, we're meeting at the Pavilion at the Mayville Museum. 945 for Sunday school, 11 a.m. for Pollock, having church at the park. And it looks like it's red, uh, red, ready to rain all day. And so at least we're in the pavilion. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Of all, we've had dry all this time. But God could still change it, so who knows what will, what will happen. Uh, but we'll be all right. We've got a pr- pretty well enclosed space there, so uh, we should be just fine. Uh, so this Sunday, 9.45 for Sunday school, 11 o'clock a.m., then we're going to have a potluck after, so be sure to bring some stuff for that. Uh, then VBS, uh, of course, is June 12th through the 16th, and be praying for that, and the Lord will provide. Uh, and then with Sunflower Festival is coming up uh, in July, uh, and if anybody's interested in, uh, in uh, being in charge of a float, uh, please let me know, and uh, we'll... Uh, Organize if you can organize that. We'll have helpers be able to help you. That shouldn't be a problem. Uh, but if you'd like to help organize that, that would be a big help to us. Uh, and then this twenty uh, fourth uh, Saturday, June twenty fourth, is the men's chili cookoff. Uh, this is a men, a men and boys of the church dinner, um, and we're going to have a good time, uh, a fellowship together. There's a sign up sheet in the back if you're planning on and able to be there. Uh, if you could sign up in the back, men. Uh, then that would be a big help to me so I could know uh, how many to prepare for and how to set things up. Uh, Psalm 133. Psalm 133. Uh, let's read it together. The Bible says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. <coughs> As the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Uh, Jesus wanted his followers to have unity, and unity is the theme of this psalm, short psalm. Uh, Not just unity of the twelve, but he prayed for unity for those who would follow after them and that would come. In John 17, he prayed for all of us. Uh, And one of the main themes of his prayer was that we would be one. Uh, unified, uh, just like Jesus and the Father was one. John 17, verse 21, uh, t- uh, tells us that they may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. And the purpose of the unity, as he said in that last verse, as Jesus prayed there, was that the world may know that thou hast sent me. How important it is for a church to have unity. When it gets around the community that that church is fighting, uh, it causes a scourge against uh, the entire uh, cause of Christ. And it's not worth it. How important it is that we have unity. This doesn't mean that we ignore differences, uh, but rather we just deal with the differences through the Holy Spirit and fix them. Amen? And uh, selfishness and pride get in the way of unity. And uh, we don't want that. Uh, But we want our way. We we think we're right, and we want to have our rights no matter what the cost. But it's not worth it. 
We end up sacrificing so much when we sacrifice the unity for our own desires. Uh, in this psalm, I see six great truths about unity. Uh, number one, Roman number one there, uh, unity is not natural. It says, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell in unity. Now, this, uh, th that's not the norm. That's why it's good and pleasant. That's why it's a change. Uh, it's good to, to uh, uh, see the difference. And so when it is there, it's good and it's pleasant. Our, our natural state is pride and division. Um, and it's the natural man, the man without the Holy Spirit's leading that separates themselves from each other. And Jude 19 says, uh, These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. And uh, that ought not to describe this Christian. Although we can't ever be without the Spirit again, the Holy Spirit lives within us and you can definitely quench the Spirit, uh, ignore the Spirit, not be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's the natural man that does that. It's natural to have division and pride in a church, but it's not right, and it's not holy. It's not sanctified, and it's not God's church. And we need to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and being one in spirit, one in unity. Uh, but even though unity is not natural, it's a wonderful thing, and we ought to strive for it. Amen? Uh, number two, we see in the same verse there, unity is good and pleasant. It says again, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Uh, the word good means that which is well-pleasing, fruitful, morally correct, proper, convenient. Uh, the word pleasant means delightful. Uh, it is used of persons who are pleasing, a joy to be around. Uh, that sounds like the kind of person I want to be, Amen. Uh, I don't want to be prideful and vindictive and spiteful. I want to be good and pleasant. Amen? And when there's unity, it's good or fruitful. Uh, and it's the right position for growth. Uh, it's good and convenient for all those involved. Uh, it's pleasant. It's a joy to be around. And you can sense disunit disunity right away, can't you? You can sense when something's not right. And there have been times when I couldn't put my finger on where it was or what it was, but I just could tell by talking to a person that there was disunity between us. Uh, I try to be pleasant and love the person, but I can't quite figure out what's holding back the unity. And it's only when it comes to the head and dealt with that the healing can take place. And uh, so it's got to be confronted. Confrontation is never pleasant. Uh, but it, if we're going to have unity... We're going to have to deal with the issue so that forgiveness can be dealt with. Forgiveness can be given. Uh, so, uh, or the offense will have to be passed over and moved past it, one or the other. And the Bible gives us clear direction on how to handle a situation where you're not in agreement with something that has happened or someone has caused an offense. Something has upset you. Matthew 18, verses 15 through 20 tells us, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. And, shall hear, and if he shall hear thee, they have, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take, it to, uh, take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word shall be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. 
And again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of it. There, a great picture of unity again. And the place for, the, uh, for this confrontation is not a business meeting. <laughs> this place for this confrontation is, uh, unless all proper channels have been taken, then that's not the place for it. The place for this confrontation isn't at a board meeting or a Sunday school teacher's meeting. It's one-on-one, and uh, then two-on-one, and then you take it to the church. It's best to take it to the church leadership and let them bring it. But if the situation involves church leadership, then, you know, honestly, just because I know the damage that disunity does to a church, I would personally quietly leave and just get out of the way and get somewhere where the Lord wants me to be. It's not worth causing a division in the church. It only brings hurt to everyone. There's a church in Reading, a very large church, uh, averaged well over a thousand. Pastor had been there for many, many, many years, but he was growing old. And uh, it came time for him to make plans to retire, and they were trying to bring people in while he was even there to take his place and get ready to take him. He wasn't ready to turn over the reins yet, but he wanted to kind of groom him a little bit and kind of prepare him for this large church and such. And there was quite a bit of division, and uh, the man ended up leaving and going somewhere else, and and the church just kind of fell apart. And if you go to different churches in that community, there were good churches in the community. Uh, If you went over here, uh, there was this group that used to all go to this other church. And uh, they were the ones that liked Southern gospel music, so they went over there. (laughs) And uh, this church church over here was uh, more fundamental with their music and more uh, strict with their music, I guess you would say. And they're all over there, but they were all over at this big church before. And over here, there was this is the one that just let loose of everything. <laughs> and uh, they didn't want to care about anything with uh, the other mu- uh, music and things like that. And so they went over there, but they all had come from that church. Uh, it split up into all these different things. And you say, well, that's not too bad. At least other churches have an opportunity to grow. But there's this old other section of people that left the church because they saw the division and fighting and anger and never went to church again. Never went to church again. It's not worth it. People get hurt. The ones that end up suffering the most are the young Christians. And they're the ones that need the most help. And often, they never come back to church again. And may it never be true of our church. Amen? May we strive for unity. Romans 16, 17, 18 says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. The simple there is a good picture of of the new Christians that are still learning. They get deceived. But unity is good and pleasant, even though it's not natural. uh, Which means you have to work at it. Amen? We have to work at it. Number three, unity enables leadership. (coughs) unity enables leadership verse number two it said it's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garment the the Bible by inspiration of the Holy Spirit says that unity is likened unto this ointment this 
oil that was used to anoint the high priest, Aaron. And pouring over the oil over Aaron's head was the symbol of the Holy Spirit endowing him, empowering him for the task that he had for him. It was a symbol of the authority and leadership that God had given him for his work in the tabernacle. It was a symbol of God's choosing this man for the work. There was nothing magical or special about the oil itself other than it had been set apart for this purpose. But it was a sign to the people that this man was chosen to lead in this way. When the people saw Aaron and his garments and his beard, they were, every time they saw it from that point on, they were reminded of the anointment when they saw it that first day. It enabled him, to, uh, enabled him in their lives to be their leader. And unity is likened to that oil, the Bible says here. And when unity in the, is in the church, it enables a leader to do the work that the Lord has called him to do. And to teach as he is led from the Holy Spirit and not have fleshly concerns about what he's going to hear about it later. <laughs> to lead the church in the direction that he is led to lead the church. To counsel its members in the counsel of the Lord. To direct the worship of the church in song and preaching and prayer all through the authority that God has given him. I don't take that lightly. I, I don't revel in that authority. Now, I'm not naturally comfortable in it, to be honest with you. And yet God has called me to lead this church, and he has empowered me to be able to do it. I don't always do it well, because sometimes I get in the flesh. And sometimes I make mistakes, I, that's for sure. But... If I yield to the Holy Spirit and continue yielding to the Holy Spirit, He will lead all of us to do what He wants us to do. But that unity keeps us from fighting against each other and struggling against each other. It gives us a clear path to accomplish what God has called us to accomplish. When we have unity, it enables me to lead as I should. Divisions distract from the purpose and the calling and leading of the Lord. But unity clears the path for great things to be done. But not only does unity enable leadership, but this verse also speaks of the spread of these benefits. In verse number four, rather, unity's benefit spreads to all the body. He says, it is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down the, to the skirts of his garments. Now, of course, the pic uh, great picture here is the, the beginning with the head. Who is the head of the church? Jesus Christ, amen? Who gave the Holy Spirit, which is often pictured as oil in the, in the Bible? Jesus Christ. He prayed for the Holy Spirit to come. And, uh, but he said that it goes down the beard, and uh, even Aaron's beard, and that it went down to the skirts of his garments. The picture there of, of the unity affecting the whole of the body. The oil ran down his beard and went down his skirts. It spread from the head to the neck, down to the shoulders, down to the chest, down to the arms, down to the waist, and down the legs, to the legs, even to the feet. This instantly brought to mind uh, various verses, but one that came to mind was Colossians 1.18. And he says, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. Amen. And we are the body, the many members that work together. Jesus prayed that the Holy Spirit would be sent to us. Oil, like I said, is very often a symbol of the Holy Spirit in Scripture. 
The Holy Spirit is sent from Christ, the head of the body, uh, the church, down its various members. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 tells us, Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. And all of those are affected when we have unity for good to be able to accomplish what we need to accomplish. And the benefit is spread to all. And the work of each individual member of the body can do its function. Uh, but not just do it, but do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're not quenching the Holy Spirit in the process by our fighting. We have a responsibility to keep the unity in our church so that each of us will have the power to do what God leads us to do. Then number five, we see that unity is refreshing. Verse number three, he says, As the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Mount Hermon is the highest elevation in Israel, the tallest mountain. It is the, in the northern part of the nation. Mount Zion is in the south. The, the elevated center of it, not only elevated physically, but the spiritual life as well. And the psalmist speaks of the dew of Hermon. In a, in a very arid country, this, this mountain that through much of the year is peaked in snow has a very high abundance of dew in the summer months. And when it's hot and dry and dusty and parched everywhere else, the dew of Hermon is refreshing dampness that renews a soul when they go to it. Here the psalmist is telling us that unity between brethren is as refreshing as this dew is to the dusty, dry, parched traveler. I remember when I was in California, we used to hike uh, the back way, if you will, to Bernie Falls. And we could pay to park it, uh, just above the waterfalls, and then you could just walk downstairs uh, and make it easy if you wanted to, and there's a lot, lot shorter trek. But if you went the backside of the falls, there was free parking there, and uh, you didn't have to pay to enter the park. And uh, it was a regular hiking trail that they had made. And it would take longer to get there. The way was a little dustier and had some ups and downs to it and such, but uh, you could get there uh, just the same. I remember on a hot summer day, after hiking the few miles that it took to get in, uh, just as you exited the path of the trees into where the, fa the falls were, and you could hear it for a long ways back, but as you entered that, uh, exited that path and you entered into the mist of the waterfall, and boy, was it refreshing. And it just swept over you, and it dropped like we'd walked into air conditioning. And unity brings an abundance of blessings to our church, amen? And like stepping out of the hot, dry, dusty path into the cool water spray of the waterfall, or as biblical uh, things as he said, into the dewy mountains of Mount Hebron. Trekking up the dry, dusty mountainside and reaching the cool, dewy fields of the forest was a refreshment to them. He said, this is what unity is to, for the brethren. Unity is refreshing. Then lastly, we see number six. Unity brings God's blessings. He says number three, as the, verse number three again, as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Now, unity is likened to Mount Hermon, but also Mount Zion, which provided the respite for, uh, in the south, like Hermon did uh, in, in the north. 
And this is where the Lord commanded the blessing. The psalm, psalm specifies uh, this blessing as even life forevermore. There's some disagreement uh, what the word there is pointing to, and everybody seems to have an opinion about what that is, but uh, is it pointing to Mount Hermon? Is it pointing to Mount Zion? Is it pointing to unity itself? And, but one thing is for sure, the psalmist is definitely bringing us to the conclusion, whether by the picture of a mountain or direct statement, that the theme of this psalm, unity, is what brings God's blessing to us. I don't know about you, but I need God's blessing on this church, amen? I need God's help, and you need God's help. I don't have the ability to bring blessings from God. I need God's help, and I need your help to bring unity to this church. I can't, fo I can't force unity. I can't say, hey, everyone be unified, and it fixes it. I can preach. I can teach, I can love and try to help, and even sometimes get on to someone about it. But I can't make you have unity. I'm grateful for our church, and I'm grateful that we do have unity. But let's not take it for granted. Because there's a lot of churches who had unity for years, and it just took one prideful person to cause a division. Boy, let's strive for unity in our church. Amen? Let's just stay for the right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for this psalm. And I pray, Lord, that you would just speak to our hearts and help us, Lord, to always yield to you. Father, if we're all yielded to you, then we all will have unity in you. And we'll do what you have called us to do. I pray that you would bless us now tonight, Lord, as we go on with the rest of the service and with a business meeting at hand. And I pray that you would just help us to have unity and wisdom from you. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. All right.